What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain this podcast is brought to you by on it Honestly, I don't know what I would do without these tools for human optimization. What is human optimization? It's getting your body and mind into a state that's going to allow you to experience life to the absolute fullest. Really, the body is the base level of that pyramid. You got to take care of the body's needs. And we have all kinds of tools like the emulsified MCT oils, the supplements, the workout equipment, the information at the Onnit Academy to make sure that you're able to thrive so that you can live the best life possible. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey. Check out the tools. You get 10% off when you go to that page and it supports the podcast. So please check it out, onnit.com slash Aubrey and enjoy the show. If you read Christine Hassler's bio, you'll see that she's an author, a life coach, a podcaster, but she's someone that I've gotten to know over the years and have been really grateful to do so. Someone that when you sit down and have a conversation with her, you instantly feel better. So hopefully you guys will enjoy this podcast as much as I did. So Christine, we got a chance yesterday to sit down at the tables with a lot of the graduating members of the first Go For Your Win class, and they were troubleshooting some of the issues that they were stuck on. And I know we all sat at different tables, but I thought it would be a good opportunity to kind of jump into some of these real world issues that uh, we saw people yeah. kind of struggling with and yeah. then uh, jump off from there. Yeah, that was, well, first of all, such an amazing event. So congratulations on oh, your thank first you. Go For Your Win graduation. Amazing tribe of people. And I was just so touched by how open and honest and vulnerable people were about really what they were up against. So what the round table discussion that you prompted was where are you stuck? You know, where mm -hmm. are you feeling stuckness? And the first table that I went to, a guy was talking about his inner critic. And I kind of came in when he was talking oh, about- Oh, that thing. Oh, that thing. <laughs> no one, I'm sure he's the only one. It was a very unique problem yeah. he had, the whole inner critic, because I'm sure everybody, no one else- Everybody has such good self-talk. Yeah, we're so no nice one, to No ourselves. one ever says, you fucking idiot. No, <laughs> you, never, you, never. You stupid piece of shit. <laughs> that wasn't good enough. <laughs> no one's Look, ever said that no. to themselves, ever. No, and no one ever compares themselves to other nope. people. We're all so self-accepting. And so you know, it's so good that no one holds themselves to a standard of perfection either. <laughs> you know, they just expect that we're all human and we right. all make mistakes. Right, know? right. Yeah. Or or no one waits until things are totally perfect before they take an action. <laughs> yeah. I've never, never done that. Oh, Lord, the human experience, yeah. right? And I think the inner critic is something that definitely is is something we're all up against. And so he was talking about how, you know, he's he's a creative person, he's a graphic designer, but he has this inner critic that just stops him. And so that's where he keeps getting stuck because he wants to make progress, but the inner critic comes up. And so the, the group was asking him, well, how do you deal with it? And he's like, you know, just through discipline and just but when I take that inner critic, I just wrestle it and I tell it to stop. And basically he was meeting the judgmental voice of the inner critic with more judgment. Mm -hmm. and more force and that tends to be what a lot of us do we hear that voice of the inner critic and we're like stop it shut up you're so annoying like oh mm -hmm. and we fight it instead of really having compassion towards it because the inner critic is often just trying to get our attention because it needs something it needs our patience it needs our compassion it needs a little re-encouragement and if we continue to judge it if we criticize our inner critic consistently then the inner voice of the inner critic just becomes louder. So I have had a nasty inner critic. I mean, you and I have talked about this. We've sure. had our moments of when, like I know I've had some times when it's just been super loud. And when I try to just like distract myself or silence it, it, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I have to just be like, oh, there you are. Okay. There you are. And, and 
greet it with acceptance, not in the sense that I'm going to believe everything it says, but greet it with that kind of acceptance so that I can go, okay, what, what do you need? Because the inner critic, it's there to serve a function. It's there to protect us. We think we need it to keep us going towards our goals. And that was a conversation we got at the table. He said, well, if I meet my inner critic with acceptance and compassion, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to be motivated. I'm not going to like move forward in my life. And I said, well, now we're into the difference between push and pull motivation. You can push and push and push, but eventually that's you know not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So you've got to find that voice that pulls you forward towards your mission so the inner critic isn't so necessary. Yeah, I mean, that's expressing a really important metaphysical truth that mm. serves, that works not only for the inner critic, but the ego for all of these forces yeah. that are inside ourselves. Like, you know, that old aphorism, that which you resist persists. Mm-hmm. You know, and like the more, and it's counterintuitive because inner critic, bad, crush what is bad. You know, this is like the very basic, you know, the very basic tenet that, you know, I think is one of the earliest things that we kind of learn. Like, Mm -hmm. here's bad, crush bad. He man win. You know, it's kind (laughs) of like this idea that, and it's the same with the, you know, the force of resistance from that Stephen Pressfield talk. It's all, all, so many names for this thing, but it doesn't ultimately work. No. You know, because it really just strengthens that because resistance is what strengthens the thing. Yes. And then, you know, compassion and acceptance is what diminishes the thing. It, it dispels the energy yeah. that comes out. It just diffuses all of that tension, yeah. you know, but how that looks, how that looks is, you know, it's really interesting. So really, you know, don't get it twisted. You're defeating the inner critic. Mm-hmm. You're not like allowing it to win with compassion. You're using a different strategy to defeat it instead of like meeting it with force to crush it, you know, which is just crushing a part of yourself or crushing a part of your psyche, which won't work, which will make it stronger Mm -hmm. as anything you try to crush, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. instead of doing that, you're using a different strategy to defeat it. So, so I think people need to make that mental switch. Like you're still trying to defeat the inner critic. It's just a strategy shift. And the strategy shift is to recognize where it's coming from send it some love, diffuse the energy of where it has, of where it's where that source is, and then you can move past yep. it. So where in your mind is the source of that inner critic? Where is the wellspring that feeds it and kind of- Like where does it come from? Where does it come from? Well, I think it comes from fear. Mm-hmm. Like I really do think that the, we all have this fear of like not being enough and not fitting in and losing control and, not being loved and all these things. And we think we need this inner critic to keep us on track. And we're afraid that, and I think that the, a big thing is since we haven't really um, amped up the voice of the unconditional love and the acceptance, sort of like that inner parent inside of us, we, we don't know who else is gonna talk to us. The, uh, the opposite of the inner critic, the exactly. good coach. Exactly, you know. the good coach. That 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 parent that is like, okay, like, what did you learn from that? You know, that's, that's one thing that I've really used to respond to my inner critic is like, okay, I so understand inner critic that you are here to serve me. Like that's your highest intention. Even though you're nasty, even though you make me feel like crap, like I really get that your highest, highest, highest purpose is to protect me, is to serve me, is to help me reach my goals. So let's work together here because you, you are, you're a teacher. So a lot of times my question to my inner critic is either what do you need or what do I need to learn? Like if I've done something and I'm beating myself up after it because I didn't think I did good enough and my inner critic voice is like loud, I'll go, okay, let's look at how I did and let's look at what I learned and let's look at the next time how I can do better. But I don't have to make myself feel like shit (laughs) for that time in order to improve. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think, you know, tracking it back to fear is absolutely right. I mean, it's the fear that you're not going to be worthy of love. Yeah. And it's something that we've learned, you know, because in this world, the practical world of conditional love, mm-hmm. which is just the world. If you think this world's going to be unconditional love, you got the wrong world. You know, yeah. we'll go back home, you know, eventually someday to that dimension of unconditional love. But it ain't here and right. it ain't now. Because this and is where we come to learn. This is it, right? And so this gets patterned in from school, from parents, from all different sorts of people who show you more love when mm-hmm. you're successful. So you learn this pattern of if I achieve, then I am I receive right. love. And that allows you, it teaches you the model of when you're worthy of love. And it can kind of model your own self-love based upon that. And then the critic just, inner critic just runs with that. Yeah. So it's running these, you know, it's doling out its own self-love, which is really the only 
true nourishing and sustaining source of love that we all need to cultivate is yeah. that initial self-love you know that that inner critic is is kind of doling that out only when we perform to certain standards and it just gets out of control you know it, it takes that and it just runs with it and then the snowball and the momentum until basically we have to be absolutely flawless mm -hmm. you know to receive even the smallest you know hamster wheel amount of doled yeah. love like the pez dispenser that one little candy of love upon perfection but even then we're looking to the next goal like yeah that was all right but you still aren't this exactly you know and it's so it's ending. just it's this never-ending cycle and you have to kind of reverse that whole mentality mm -hmm. in order to even live a happy life yeah. let, let alone like a life of achievement and the life where you're actually pushing your magic out into the world mm -hmm. pushing your craft out in the world to even be happy at all you have mm -hmm. to undo some of that programming so much of that programming and i think that part of the programming too and how it protects us is we're so afraid of rejection and external criticism that some part of our psyche thinks, well, if I'm harder on myself than anyone else could possibly be, then maybe it won't hurt as much. So a lot of times, yeah, people, I'll pre-beat myself, pre myself up. Right, right. So it's that like when you got, it comes, you got this, you got this bully, right? Who's <laughs> waiting around the block that you're worried is going to beat you up. So you take a stick and you start <laughs> bashing the fuck out of your yeah. own head. Yeah. So when and the bully so punches when the you, it's no at, big deal. Well, when, the, when you get to the bully, it's like, look, I'm already beat up. You know, like, what are you going to do? Give here? your best shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, my work with people that comes up is, you know, people like, I just, you know, I want to feel self-love. I want to feel self-acceptance and I want to get rid of this inner critic. And I'm like, wrong direction. If you focus on getting rid of it, like you said, it's only going to get stronger. It's work with it. Work yeah. with it. It's the only way to. And mine definitely isn't gone. Like it still comes up because I, you know, still in human. human. Yeah, yeah, you're still human, still here, not walking on water. So, but it's it's much less um, torturous. And I have another another voice that comes in as well, and I can work with it. And also, I can observe it and go, oh, yeah. there's that thing that comes up that really makes me suffer but I have a choice on how I want to respond to it inside yeah. of me I also you know I talk to people a lot about doing your best it's one of Don Miguel's four agreements right and really the idea that you can hold yourself to a standard that's more than doing your best is really preposterous you know and your best isn't being perfect your best is just the best that you're able to muster you prepared as best you can you've done what your best you can and it's never gonna be perfect you know there's always gonna be room where you could have done more but the best that on a practical level you could possibly do that's all you can really worry mm -hmm. about and just worry about that process did I do my best fuck yeah the result you know when you start getting result focused it's ridiculous you know like you can't hold yourself to a standard greater than your best yeah. there's things that are just simply out of your control yep you know so prepare do your best and then put you know put everything towards that yeah. like and that's you know when I received a lot of criticism when I first came into the public eye you know that was the message that I got from Bodie Miller who was used to receiving a bunch of criticism was you know because the external criticism then turns into the internal criticism and you know obviously I'm punishing myself harder than anybody externally is punishing mm -hmm. myself too and he's like look man like really there's only one person who you know who really knows you and knows what you've done you know mm -hmm. did you try your hardest yeah you, if you fucked up you made mistakes if you crashed if you failed like did you do your best and that's the absolutely only criteria that you can judge yourself on yeah. anything that's result focused is just nonsense well yeah and i think like an important add-on to that is is regret because a lot of times people will go They'll use information they have now to go back and evaluate right. something that they did then. And go I like, oh, known. I should have known. I could have done better. I'm like, but you, you didn't know you at didn't the time. Yeah. You were use, you're using what you know now to go back and beat yourself up for something you didn't yeah, know. So stupid. So, <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, like, I'll do that. I'll go back to and listen to interviews or something that I did. And I'm like, oh, why did I say that? I should have said this or da 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 da. da. <laughs> and I'll like critique the hell out of myself. I'm like, okay, that is doing me no good. Yeah. It's doing me no good. And then when we, when we do that, we actually like contract our energy so much that we stop like really manifesting and attracting and being willing to go for more opportunities because then that protective part of our psyche that's like, oh my gosh, if you do this again, you're going to be so hard on yourself, doesn't want to go after our, our goals as much. We start to lose our mojo because we're afraid of ourselves. We're afraid of our future selves for how we'll react to the situation. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why a lot of people, you know, feel like they're sabotaging themselves or feel like they have fear of success. I'm like, no, you really fear how you're going to be with yourself. 
if you make a so-called mistake or yeah. if you crash, you know, like so many people, like another conversation that came up at the table was a woman who really wants to leave her job and start something that's more heart-centered and more like feels like more of a calling to her. And as she was talking, I just noticed she was just holding her breath. Like she was just not breathing at all when she was talking. And I said, I asked her, how are you with yourself when you make a mistake? And she just started to cry. And she's like, I, I'm awful to myself. And mm -hmm. I go, well, then can you see how you'd be so scared to take even one step? Because if one little thing goes wrong, you kill yourself. No yeah. wonder you want to stay where you are in your comfort zone. So I think you've got to think about that, too. Like, are you afraid of your future self? And how do you change that relationship? Most people are. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you're afraid really the greatest tyrant of all is that judge that we hold inside i mean no one <coughs> you know don miguel talks about this mm -hmm. is like we accept no abuse from any other person that's worse than the abuse we give ourselves mm -hmm. you know like that's that's our threshold mm -hmm. right like <coughs> we always set the bar uh, with self-abuse mm -hmm. and then we tolerate anything that falls underneath that self-abuse anything more than that we're like nah fuck you you're out of line you're completely out of line you know if it's more than the self-abuse that we give because we know we feel it's unjust but it can come right up to the brink you know mm -hmm. of our own self-abuse and be like yeah i deserve it i deserve it you know because we've already abused ourselves that much so anything less than that we're like yep totally deserve that and we start accepting things from other people as well mm -hmm. you know so not only is working on that going to help your internal process is also going to help what you tolerate yeah. from everybody else what you receive and are willing to receive from everybody else as well which is another you know kind of key thing to remember is you know this has ramifications that extend far far beyond you know the simple thing that that you're working with yeah i i can personally attest to that as my relationship with myself has shifted mm -hmm. everything externally has shifted i was so trying to change the external things to make me feel better about me. And it didn't matter what box I checked, still didn't shift it. Yeah, It's like I had to learn how to shift that inside and then things started to change externally. Yeah, And I think we, you know, people that listen to this podcast know that intellectually, um, but it's like the, the application of it, that daily practice. And the, the best way that I have found to describe it in terms of how it works for me is finding that voice of an inner coach or an inner parent mm -hmm. and being that to ourselves. And it, it, it sounds kind of foreign at the beginning when we first start talking to ourselves that way because we're so used to the other voice. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's, <coughs> I was, when I first really discovered these different elements of self <coughs> was when I was with, uh, the Aboga shaman and mm -hmm. I did a boga and we were talking about mm -hmm. it and I, I had identified three different voices, identified my highest self, my highest consciousness, which is like the good coach and mm -hmm. pure consciousness kind of combined, the thing that always had my best interest, interest, my highest awareness, you know? So that was, that was one force. And then there's this other force called mind boy, which was like ego and the bad mm -hmm. coach and all of these things wrapped up in my mind. Is and that where the inner critic was? Yeah, that's yeah. where the inner critic mm -hmm. was. Um, and then there was mud body, which was like the animal, the monkey, the animal, mm -hmm. right? And this, these were words that I used framework there but I still think it kind of makes some sense and I was talking to him about because really mind boy which is this kind of juvenile tyrant that's just doling out punishment like crazy and constantly thinking and stressing about yeah. things and worrying about yeah. stuff is always trying to take control of the starship <laughs> you know <laughs> trying to take control <laughs> right when you have a fully capable captain you have yeah. fucking captain James T Kirk <laughs> to the, the extreme best of the best. To the, you know ready yeah. there to drive the controls at any time but the kid you know is ripping coca-colas and eating twizzlers and just <laughs> just fucking driving this thing into the rails all the time i was like how do i get how do i get you know the the consciousness how do i get that in charge how do i get the the good coach the consciousness the thing that has my highest interest my highest thinking in charge you know and really at that time i had that same mentality he man crush what is bad mm -hmm. and so it was all about trying to kill that other side and it's like no 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 you just got to build the other one up you just got to focus your intention on identifying with that and building that one up. And then by relativity, that one will become, you know, far more in control, you know. So really focusing on that, you know, good coach. I, I don't use I don't like the word parent because mm. people have so many fucked up parents. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah. if you had a good parent, right. you know, like think about that. Good right. It's parent. like your ideal parent that you the, want. The you wish you had. Exactly. Yeah. Like the, the cosmic parent. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, like you would call. That's kind of what Wachuma, I think of like the grandfather. <laughs> yeah, divine mother, father. Kind yeah, of exactly. thing. Yeah. So, yeah. so that thing, you know, really start to build that up. And, yeah. and some of those practices are, 
you know, as far as the practices for that, do you like like affirmations? Do you like certain forms of like positive self-talk? Like what are some of the ways that you build that side up? Well, I think you got to do a little cleaning out and then building. Mm -hmm. So to tie it back to another conversation I had yesterday Mm -hmm. with some of the groups. So after I left one table, I looked for the table of like the, I saw this table of like the most manliest men. They were all like super pumped and super buff. And there were like five men. I don't know. We remember you at my table, Christine. (laughs) Well, you already had that one covered. So after the Aubrey Marcus super buff table, there was a secondary super buff table and they were having a really like serious looking conversation. I was like, okay, I need to go to that table. (laughs) And I, I, you know, crashed their manly party. And um, one of the, man was talking about how no matter what he never feels good enough he never feels good enough and he just can't stop the critical voice and um you know i work pretty intuitively with people and i just kind of got a a picture of his father and so i asked him what was your relationship with your dad like and he said well like i mean i know my dad loved me but he wasn't really ever around he had a job that had him on the road and he never was around and i said you know, did your dad ever tell you he was proud of you? And he was like, no, not that I can ever remember. And so we got into a conversation about what not having that attaboy and that I'm proud of you and that validation mm-hmm. from that father in his life, how that perpetuated a feeling of always chasing it and like never feeling good enough. And so we talked a little bit about going back and, you know, kind of healing those old wounds around not really feeling seen and acknowledged by his father because we project so much on our parents like we come through them such a dominant influence it's such a dominant influence and and we we i literally think we project like god onto them because we're born connecting we're born knowing we're connected to this amazing universal source of love then the illusion of separation hits and it's like mom and dad like they're Mm -hmm. our source of everything yeah and they're just humans who have their own fucked up (laughs) childhood in their own way doing the best they can and that's another hook we get into is no my parents really could have done better and i'm like no really they did the best they could (laughs) but she was an abusive alcoholic i'm like that that was her best like it's hard for our mind to grapple with but so for him he's he's got a little work to do around working with that younger part of him that feels like dad didn't really like accept him or was never really proud of him and having that connection with himself so that he can start talking to himself in the way his dad wished that he in the way he wished his dad would have talked to him Mm -hmm. so kind of the affirmations would be more in tune with like i'm really proud of xyz like you've come so far it's amazing it's amazing when you start doing that because you know i'm super super tough on myself my dad was super tough too you know and and that that parallel goes and you know before i go into my personal you know story about it i think i was watching some tony robbins i watched Mm -hmm. his uh i'm not your guru and i listened to him on tim ferris and he asked you know he asked two questions when he's working with somebody he says whose love did you crave you know and then who did you have to be you know and then so for me it was clearly whose love did you crave dad's you know it's the hardest to get you know i had it sometimes when i was and then who did you have to be and the answer for me was clear like i didn't have to think about it it was perfect it was fucking straight perfect like straight a's all-star on the basketball court everything i did if Mm. i was perfect i got it all was good Mm. anything less like it didn't matter like playing fucking scrabble you know and, and part of it is it's then the other side of it is not to look at that with regret but also realize like you know he gave me superpowers yeah. because of that you know yeah. like i forged this relentless drive to be you know as optimized as i possibly could partly in this craving for his love and approval mm-hmm. you know but it also internalized that as a really strong self-critic yeah. you know which erodes my happiness and fulfillment even as i've created this my dream on it and created the ideal you know foundation of a physical self have ideal relation i have real i'm really like fully fucking living the dream but yeah. the inner critic can make my day hell yeah. you know and i'll catch myself doing that and as i've started to transition you know into more conscious like positive self-talk it's amazing what it what happens when i started saying like hey Aub, you did a really good job yeah. there you really did a good job like good work and my body it like responds like mm-hmm. like a flower like just open like like, <laughs> like it oh. got watered oh, like yeah it's yeah. like it felt so good like i literally felt like a shudder and a flush yeah. the first time i did that yeah. 
and fucking crazy enough it was only like a year ago that i did that i like maybe for the first time ever i really said like hey uh you did a really good job there like good job man you know and my body was like whoa that was amazing yeah that's what i always wanted all these years yeah it it just felt so good to be able to do that and i think you know i really encourage everybody out there to to take those moments even when you're not perfect not about being perfect but like you know really you did your best there man you did a good job like reward yourself for that you know you may not get out of the habit of still punishing yourself right away Mm -hmm. for the bad for the stuff you deem is bad or deem is less than than your ideal Mm -hmm. but at least start rewarding yourself for the positive at least start Mm -hmm. building up that kind of repertoire of the positivity yeah yeah and know and know what you really need to hear yeah and a good clue is you know looking at you know the mom dad stuff and then the other is like what do you long to hear from other people the most like do you want to hear that you belong do you want to hear that you were loved do you want to hear that you're liked do you want to hear that you did a good job is it all of those things and because that's what we're chasing we think we're chasing the goal but we're really chasing the feeling we think we're going to get from it mm-hmm. like once i get this relationship then i'm going to feel loved once i achieve this amount of money then i'm going to feel safe or whatever it may be and it's like the more we start telling ourselves those things, those things and then having the because you, you told yourself that but then you also had the complimentary feeling yeah right so it's those two things together because a lot of people get stuck with affirmations of they say the words it's a good start start with the words right. <laughs> but you eventually want to bring the feeling in with the words that's what makes it real that's, that's what makes, that's it, what makes it, it that's what translates yeah. it the body doesn't understand words the body understands emotions exactly. emotions are what trigger the neurochemicals trigger the hormone response it literally translates into your body yeah. you know through emotion yeah so yeah. you got to get there whether it's utilizing belief or hacking the placebo effect or yeah. trying to change your mental thought patterns emotions the way yeah you know you got to get through there and you have to really just it's sometimes it's a blind leap of faith but accept the fact that you are deserving of forgiveness mm-hmm. you are worthy of love you're worthy of happiness no yeah. matter where you are no matter where you come from you're worthy and just take that leap of faith even if you don't quite feel it yet yeah. And allow yourself to feel good. Yeah. Because it's kind of ridiculous to think that the universe like lines us all up as little souls. It's like, oh, Aubrey's like a seven worthiness. And Christine's like a four. (laughs) And this person's like a three and a half. And well, this person, you know, it's like, that's it's so, it's It's, so not. It's demonic. It it is. It's demonic. And I don't say that in like a religious sense, but it's the opposite of unconditional love opposite of that kind of source energy it's the other it's the law making the rule the kind of even like the whole caste system Mm -hmm. you know and you see these in these structures that are Mm -hmm. there like this cat the untouchables yeah yeah you know they're the ones that are not worthy and these ones these are the special special souls (laughs) i mean how demonic is that that's the way you would organize little mini demons in hell not many gods and goddesses Mm -hmm. you know not many you know sentient beings and light souls Mm -hmm. like it's the opposite. It's the dark side of the spectrum classification of worthiness and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know? And it's really, if you look at the, the true foundation of the mystical text, you'll see the opposite, you know, that, that we are all pieces of God. Mm-hmm. We are all worthy, you know, and that's really the metaphysical foundation that we have to adopt rather than the other kind of system. Yep. 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 Easy to get intellectually processed to feel and to <laughs> know as truth, right. but entirely possible, yeah. you know, and even if, even if there's just glimmers, you know, even if you just get, because I remember for me, when I really started on the path, like I'd spend 99% of the time <laughs> in the, in the critic, in the worthy, not worthy, in the not enoughness, in mm. the, but I'd have these moments where I caught a glimpse of what it felt like to know I was complete whole in one. And I'd use those as reference points. I'd like hang on to them and just build upon that and build upon that. Because I think a lot of times people have the expectation that, you know, because there's different stages on the growth path. And I see a lot of people get a lot of awareness. They take a course, they read a book, they get a lot of awareness and it makes mental sense to them. Yeah. But they're not feeling the shift. So then the inner critic comes in and is like, you suck at personal growth. <laughs> like you just don't, you don't get it at you'll all. Never get there. Yeah, you'll never get there. And so it's like, just know awareness is the first step and the integration sometimes takes a while. You know, yeah. that's kind of what we're here is the integration part. It's yeah. not an immediate thing. So wherever you are in the process, keep going. And, it, you know, really reading Joe Dispenza was really valuable mm. for me in that because he talks about how the receptor sites for certain neurotransmitters and neurochemicals and hormones, you know, upregulate and downregulate based upon the habitual 
supply yep. that you're giving it. So if you're supplying it with those depressive, angry hormones, whatever, on the negative side of the spectrum, there's going to be more of those receptor sites that are keen to receive those those yeah. chemicals. And they're, because they're keen to receive those chemicals, they're hungry for them. It becomes like a little inner addict, yep. right? So as you're trying to shift, and you can reprogram those to receive the positive chemicals, but it takes time. It does take time. It's not like an immediate thing. This, these are actual physiological conditions mm -hmm. that exist within the brain and exist within mm -hmm. the body. So it's gonna take a little while for those to turn mm -hmm. over. And while that's happening, these hungry little addicts are gonna be fiending for their favorite oh. drugs. They're gonna be fiending for that little kick of depression, one more hit of depression, come on, come on. I just need one more hit to get by. And so you'll find yourself, you know, I remember Duncan Trussell talking about, you know, reaching for the darkness, finding himself like reaching to find that kind of solipsistic depressive state. Yep. And really that's part of the body that's clamoring for that. And so it takes this kind of relentless work of mm -hmm supplying the good supplying the good even when you find yourself reaching for the bad find yourself spiraling the other way because it's going to take some steady work to re-upregulate those receptor yeah. sites for you know the neurochemical concoction that's going to feed it in a positive way yeah, as you're talking like i'm remembering um getting off antidepressants after 20 years of being on them and what you're talking about was like the key thing that I had to really mentally work on. I mean, there was a lot to getting off of them, everything from diet to exercise to spiritual practice, meditation, emotional release work, and a belief that I could. That was a big one. And as I was going through the withdrawal process, I was not only like withdrawing from the medication, but I was withdrawing from a certain way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Like the belief that this was my biology and I couldn't change it. Or just those depressive thoughts or those self-critical thoughts. and. I would, you know, find myself like they, you know, those hungry monsters would be there like, give me yeah. the drug, give me the fix, give me the dark thought. And sometimes I couldn't get necessarily to a positive. I couldn't make the pendulum swing all the other way. But I could say, stop. This is not my direction. This is not the direction I'm going to think. I choose to believe I'm getting better. And that was just enough of a thought pivot. But it, it, it really took that discernment and that awareness and being the observer of the mind because our thoughts are so fast and they're yeah. so loud. Yeah, thoughts are like light and the lightning. And then the, the body's like a tree. Totally. You know? The body's like a tree that's going to bend to the water and the light yeah. over time. Yeah. You know, like you see a tree by the creek bed and you see the roots slowly stretching towards the yeah. water and the leaves slowly stretching towards the light. That's the body. You got to wait for that shit. But the mind happens instantly. Like, I know. Light's there. Water's <laughs> there. Go. And the body's like, fuck you, okay, man. Yeah. I, got yeah. I got time. Yeah. Like, slow yeah. down. Yeah. And if the body changed that fast, the mind, we'd be chaos. We would, we we'd would be, be chaos. chaos. We'd be totally chaos. We'd be a different person every you know, day. If belief worked that fast, oh, yeah. you know, the moment we got scared of something, oh, God, I really hope I don't get cancer. Boom. Uh, boom. Fuck. <laughs> you know? And then like, no, I'm going to get wet. It shrinks up and you're well again. It's just like, what the fuck is going on? You know? Yeah. That would be an interesting It'd experience. be chaos. Yeah, it'd be you chaos. Know? So there's like a reason the why. The body is so dense. Yeah. yeah. There's a reason why it's a little bit slower. Yeah. You know? we, the mind needs that freedom to jump around, but we got to have a little patience with it. Have a little patience with it. Yeah. 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 Not expect that instant gratification. Yeah. I was working with a girl. Um, which was interesting, which was who was having problems with anger. Mm. And it was coming out, and she was expressing it a lot at her cat, which was kind of an odd What was she doing to her thing. cat? Her cat would just really frustrate her. Okay. You know? But the interesting thing about anger is anger is always based in the ego, mm. right? It always comes from the ego, and it always comes from, um, <clears throat> well, I shouldn't say always. There's a physiological form that can happen when, like, the physical body is, like, actually harmed right. and I think that's where ultimately it originates right like something strikes the physical body a reaction comes through and adrenaline blood rushes I know for a male in particular blood rushes to the hands as an extremity so you mm -hmm. can ball your fists up and you won't feel them as much and you're ready for a fight mm -hmm. or you're ready for a run it's this adrenal response that comes from physical harm you know you can see it like when a you know when anything gets hurt you'll get that flush huh. that initial flush of anger. Yeah. But the ego thinks it's real. It thinks it's the body. So when the ego gets damaged, <laughs> it has that same reaction, right? It triggers that same reaction because the ego, his favorite game is to pretend that it's real. But and unlike the body, which actually received injury, the ego isn't real. And so it didn't really receive any injury, you know. But the ego, you can always identify it because it always starts every, every sentence with how dare you. Mm. you know? How dare you do this to me? <laughs> 
You know, like that's the, no matter what, no matter what happens, like someone cuts you off and drive. How, how dare, dare you? you? How dare this you cut, cut me off? You know, like yeah. total super villain, always yeah. in that. And uh-huh. then for her, it was the cat. How dare you cat wake me in the night with your meows? Do you know how important my sleep is? Do you know that I am the master? I feed you. You know, it's this crazy thing. Whereas in reality, the cat's like, cat's a fucking yeah, cat. Yeah, cat's just doing what a cat does. It's just catting. It's just catting. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's and that's what that's what's really happening. And mm-hmm. and identifying that. And then again, instead of, so I think for her, she was like, first making the connection that the anger really comes from mm-hmm. this this ego state, yeah. this ego's desire to assert itself as both real and dominant over and more special than anything else mm-hmm. around. Because that's what the ego does. The ego has no foundation of true of true love so it judges its worth based upon you know a spectrum of things it can compare it to yeah. i am more important than my cat and how dare my cat do that to me you know mm-hmm. i am i am this i am that and so first of all identifying that as ego and then but instead of like trying to crush it you know cuz it's not going to it's not going to work nope. can't just crush makes it you more either. angry yeah mm-hmm. just build up the other side you know, build up that awareness, become the observer of the ego, identify as consciousness and say, oh, ego, there you are saying, how yeah. dare you do this little cat? Yeah. Like, how interesting. And then the cat becomes a great teacher, it teaches you about the ego, teaches you about that. And all of these things that were these great challenges become these great allies. Yeah. And that's the ultimate stoic switch when the challenges become the allies and, and give you an opportunity to build up that other thing, give you an opportunity to practice as the observer. Yeah. You know, whether it's, anger coming from situations like that or things that are triggering jealousy or right. you know and jealousy is another one that's very ego based you know how dare you not love me mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. you know how mm-hmm. dare you not recognize my glorious <laughs> nature you know and that's what that is and when you feel that come on it's like a great opportunity to say become the consciousness yeah. become the good coach you know and be that ah. Oh, there you are. Yeah. There you are, old ego. It's all right, buddy. All right, yeah. I love you. You're good. You're yeah. good. You're all good. That person didn't know any better, and yeah. you're fine. You don't yeah. need to judge yourself accordingly. And just remove that, and then the more you identify with that positive force, the more you can suppress that other force. Can. Yeah. Yeah, and I think anger, especially for women, is a tricky one sometimes because for – I'm, I'm speaking in generalities, but I've noticed from thousands of people that women <coughs> – aren't really encouraged to express anger in healthy ways growing up. We more are supportive in sadness, like we can cry, but like getting angry isn't something that, you know, is really encouraged. And so a is lot that, of- Is that just a, that's kind of like a basic difference in yeah. in men and women. Like yeah. men are supported in anger, but discouraged from in sadness. sadness. Yep. Women are supported in sadness, but discouraged from anger. Yep, yep, for sure. And that was a theme I saw yesterday too, mm-hmm. with the men coming up to me after my talk, just- with tears in their eyes being like I feel sadness <laughs> <laughs> right. should I thank you right. and it's just like it's just that repressed because a lot of times emotions are triggered like we have this heightened reaction to our cat when it's really not about our cat it's yeah. about you know someone teasing us in fourth grade or our right. dad telling us that we weren't pretty enough or good enough or, or whatever or seeing like one of our parents abuse another parent and feeling angry about that or whatever and so well for women with anger a lot of times what happens is that we end up like lashing out at things like the cat or end up super irritable mm-hmm. or end up disconnected from our passion and sexuality because you know, we're suppressing because underneath our anger is so much of our passion and so much of our fire. And so another big part of my own growth in terms of really just connecting to my creativity and my passion and my self-love has been willing to look at where I've been angry mm-hmm. and express that anger, not on the four or five in L.A., not like at people, but in a way where I give myself that voice to like yell and scream in kind of a therapeutic way so that it gets out of my body. And so I'm not like using so much energy to suppress it. Yeah. And that's a key indicator. Like whenever I see, especially women, super irritable or super snippy or super judgmental, especially of their men, it's like, ooh, like there's there's some anger under there that mm-hmm. needs to come up and out. So it stops leaking in all these different other areas of our life. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really important. And then it, it manifests like we call these things so many different things, yeah. you know, like. But really, at the core, there's a few basic things, fear, anger. Yep. 
you know, like these, these very root Shame. causes are at the, mm -hmm. yeah, at the very core, but we come out in these, in these different ways that kind of justify that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, oh yeah, I'm just a little, you know, I'm just a little on edge today. You know, yeah. I'm a little blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like, what is that? Well, that's anger. Oh, I'm just a little stressed today. What is that? Well, that's fear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like at the very, like we have all these kind of acceptable names yeah. and, um, and you, and you kind of, and society has these acceptable ways. Like it's easy to talk to you as a guy. It's easy to talk to your buddies, like be pissed or be stressed or, you know, it's like, yeah, you get a lot of support for that. Yeah. Like come into and be like, yeah, I'm really sad. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. What the fuck, man? You want to drink? Like, like, yeah. like it's not just, it's not something that we can do. So I think finding, going down to the root, like keep peeling, keep peeling, mm -hmm. keep peeling. Like, mm -hmm. where is this thing? Where is this thing mm -hmm. blocked? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because whenever we're out of balance, whenever we're in a mood or we're triggered or we feel stuck or our creative flow isn't there, it just means that there's like, there's a block. There's either an emotion that needs to come up and out or there's a belief that needs to be forgiven. You mm -hmm. know, there's something, there's something because, and uh, again, like, I don't think that until we die we ever reach a point where we don't have those but i can say from doing this work as long as i have been my moments of feeling stuck or blocked or irritable or whatever are far far less frequent and the time i spend suffering in them is is smaller in times in terms of duration because we just keep adding tools to the toolbox yeah. but i think a lot of we live in such a quick fix world aubrey you know like we just want to well you mask better. the symptoms instead yeah. of figuring out the root figuring cause. Out the root cause yeah which is really a, a great way to monetize an industry <laughs> right you know like to provide treatments instead of cures yeah. is the way that you make a lot of money yeah you know and, and i i don't always like to play that conspiracy theory kind of card but i think generally it's pretty reasonable to follow the money to find mm -hmm. out a lot of why these thought patterns developed and mm -hmm. you know the idea that if you can just treat a symptom but never fix the cause you can treat that symptom forever yeah you know, you come up with a cause, then, you know, fix the cause, then the person's fixed. Yeah. And it's really like the difference between MDMA assisted psychotherapy, what mm -hmm. they're showing through maps and mm -hmm. what the traditional standard of care. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to a lot of these veterans who in from like the army, uh, from the army doctors and the people that recommend it in the system, they are generally on a concoction of like 10 to 12 painkillers. Jeez, for like, like the rest of their life almost. Yeah. yeah. So like Mikhail Vega is another one. I actually interviewed him on this podcast, mm. former SEAL. And he was on for PTSD ten to twelve painkillers. Was I mean a not day. not painkillers, I mean uh like pharmaceuticals. Sorry. Ten to twelve pharmaceuticals. So antidepressants, anti anxiety, oh. anti blah blah blah. And like literally ten bottles of this, all fixing these certain symptoms, right? And then Do you, you have feel any yeah, you just feel kind you of fucking feel numb. numb. That's how I felt on the antidepressants. Like, I just felt numb. I yeah. mean, when you have 10 of those different things working with and against, and it's, yeah. it's just like soup of like, what the fuck? Who yeah. the fuck am it's I? What's going on? Yeah. You know? And side effects, obviously suicide, and, yeah. you know, certain homicidal side effects and the crazy thing. I actually got to meet with Chris Bell, too, who made that great documentary, Prescription Thugs, oh. which was really cool, talking about some of the side effects and over, over prescription of these things. Yeah. But going back to the PTSD thing, you know, all right, so that's <coughs> 10 to 12 prescriptions that are ongoing forever. You know, like it lowers, and the standard of care for PTSD lowers the trauma score. Trauma is rated on a scale of like 0 to 100, mm. and it lowers, you know, a trauma score of 60 to like 55. You know, so, so like it's it like, does five points. Yeah, so like minor, minor little improvement, but you still mm. got a shitload of trauma there. You know, you still have a really tough time functioning and being happy. Whereas in the phase two clinical trials from, from maps on multi you know multi different sites placebo controlled they're showing that in three sessions you're dropping that score and this is treatment resistant ptsd too the toughest cases you're dropping dropping scores from 60 down to like seven wow. down to like absolutely what normal people are and then follow-ups a year later no more mdma assisted psychotherapy so three sessions three pills and three sessions you know they come together yeah. you take the pill do the session goes from 60 to seven and then that number continues to drop over the next year without any more assisted psychotherapy. Yeah. So it drops from maybe, you know, what I don't know the numbers exactly, but let's say it was nine, then it goes to eight, then to seven, or if it's seven, it goes to six, and then to five. Right. It, the body yeah. starts to be able to fix itself at that right. point. So you have effectively a cure. Now, <clears throat> MAPS is a nonprofit, so it's pushing this research forward for the benefit of humanity, but 
if you're going to Glaxo or Pfizer or one mm-hmm. of these places, like, all right, I got this plan. You're gonna people are gonna take three pills and they're gonna cure this thing entirely. It's yeah. like there, what? There goes there's no fucking model. there's no yeah. market for yeah. that. Plus, there's no patent available on it. So there's like these things. There's no patent available on psilocybin. There's no patent available on MDMA. There's no patent available on these things. So it's just not a viable option. But instead, the treatment plan option you know, makes the most business sense. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be people who are going to push forward that business sense and tell themselves that, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. And in some cases, they are. Like, I've dramatically benefited from a variety of pharmaceuticals, you know, taken at the right time for the right thing. They've saved my life multiple mm-hmm. times. They've eased my conditions multiple times. Yeah. They've helped me out a bunch. Yeah. You know, like, I've taken a Xanax and fallen asleep and been super grateful for it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, it's not like I'm saying like, these are all evil and I would never <laughs> right. touch them. And right. this is the devil. Like, no, like I'm glad they're there. Yeah. They but serve a, a purpose. It's, mm-hmm. There's a healthy balance that needs to right. come back where we start treating the root cause. So how does that MDMA assisted psychotherapy work? It takes you, you know, the serotonin, the, it creates a really serotonergic condition within the body where you're just flooded with those emotions of, and feelings of well-being and safety mm-hmm. and you're being held and contained and there's two uh, very well-trained psychotherapists there to kind of hold space a male and a female generally and they're holding space and allowing you to explore this trauma this mm-hmm. thing that patterned this a massive fear mm-hmm. and and the response to fear mm-hmm. that that creates this massive trauma held both somatically mm-hmm. and, and intuitively mm-hmm. and in emotional in the emotional body and it allows you to repattern that yeah. relook relook at it with a new emotional condition because yeah. the the brain is like it's like a, a disc that can be rewritten like those old floppy Absolutely, drives yep. you know like or like a rewritable cd like you got one playlist in there you can you fucking put that thing put, back in yeah, and put a whole new one so in. when you go the memory of that event is colored by the horror by the emotions and the neurochemicals that kind of mm-hmm. came with it if it was a massive fear and terror and yep. horror and guilt and all of these experiences tied to that memory whenever that memory is accessed all of those emotions will be accessed too but if you can access those memories and have it in a condition where you're able to look at it from a different perspective look at it you know perhaps with a feeling of safety and well part of that memory gets rewritten with the new conditions that you're looking at absolutely so you have effectively a cure first for the Mm -hmm. source of that trauma and that was really interesting. And that's just one of the theories of the mechanism of action of how this is working. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other theories available, but the data is just coming out so strongly in favor of that. And I think that's a transition that our world is making yeah. is like instead of this kind of treatment model is bullshit. Yeah. You know, we got to start finding cures. We got to start finding fixes yeah. at the root causes. Uh, yeah. And they're there. They're, they're available. There. And yeah. it's like you know, as more people start to wake up and as more people start to get frustrated with the current system, I mean, we're kind of seeing that happen. We're seeing like a level of frustration come forward and a lot of people that have been maybe apathetic or complacent or silent are stepping up. And sometimes it takes reaching a certain level of frustration to get that, even even inside ourselves. You know, most people <laughs> don't come to me for coaching because everything's going great. They come to yeah. me because like things are going great and they feel really stuck or they feel really sad or they just had a breakup or they can't get where they want to get in their career or so whatever. And it, it often takes that kind of suffering to be willing to go in and do this work that really works because the brain doesn't really know the difference between like reality, what's happening in a very well imagined thought. So mm. going back and almost reliving those experiences and that's what, you know, people, people are so afraid of opening the like Pandora's box on the trauma. It's like if they, if they have any trauma in their past, it's like it's over, it's gone, it's in the past, and I'm just going to move on. Mm-hmm. Well, good try, you know, because yeah. you're going to keep like reliving it in different ways yeah, and different forms breathing, over and over again. Breathing six inches behind 100%, your head. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no, my no, monster's fine. not there. No, I'm, fine. Good. no I'm, I'm fine. good. I'm fine. I'm just going to go just out. have a drink. Yeah, just have a drink. I'll just go out and quiets, this person. It quiets when yeah. I drink. <laughs> Exactly. You know, once I get into a relationship with this person who's exactly like my father, I'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. And it's almost, uh, you know, you think of it also like there's this little spot in your, like if your brain is this road of neural pathways, uh-huh. it's like this giant fucking fire breathing monster in the middle of one of the roads. And anytime you try to travel down that road, you just get devoured. Yeah. You know, so it's like this whole area is like shut off in your yeah. mind. There's this whole place that goes dark because you can't move past that. Yeah. You can't move past that kind of thought pattern, that memory. Yeah. 
you know, and we got it. And that's one of the beautiful ways. And there's so many different ways. It's not all about the plants. You no, know, yeah. Through yoga, I, you know, you talk to so many people who have done it through yoga, have done it through breath, have done it through meditation, have mm-hmm. done it through all of these different modalities that yeah. allow you to access your consciousness in a different way, access a different perspective, right. and look at it and see it see it in a different light. Yeah. You know, and the ayahuasca documentary that I just came out mm-hmm. with, you know, one of the, the producer on the documentary, director, um, Mitch Schultz, talks about d- in that documentary how he was able, he discovered his brother uh, had committed suicide. Mm. Super traumatic event. And in the ayahuasca experience, he was able to just see that from a slightly different perspective. Mm. You know, to go back into that room, look at it with fresh eyes from mm. a different perspective without that fear and horror yeah. and have just this massive healing experience just by reliving that memory from a different perspective. Yeah. But any way that you use, whether it's ayahuasca or whether it's just meditation or consciousness, any way that you use to just look back at that at a different perspective yeah. and find some healing, it's going to yeah. be massively helpful. Something that works really well for me and that I use a lot on retreats and with people is, you know, going back, like let's say something traumatic happened to you at five, like going back to that memory, really allowing yourself to feel it, but taking your current day self with you into that visualization Mm -hmm. and having your current day self say whatever needed to be said to that five-year-old and take that five-year-old out of the situation, out of the house, to a safe place, whatever, wherever you can take them, however you can make them feel safe and secure and like it's over. And that's a big thing that, that it's important to say to our consciousness too when we do this kind of traumatic work is like it's over. It's over. Yeah. It's over. Because we keep like you said, if it's still in our body and our emotions, you know, take up space in our body, then it never feels like it's over. And we can, we live, the amygdala part of our brain is constantly firing and we live in sort of this fight or flight. And it's really hard to be in flow when we're constantly on guard. Mm-hmm. Afraid yeah. of that monster. Because as soon as we think about that fear and pain and all this yeah. stuff rushes over our body, so you're in a constant state of, of low level anxiety. Yeah. You know, because all it takes is a little shift of that lightning quick brain yeah. that loves to think about all the things. I mean, like, I want everybody to really, really try not to picture a rhinoceros right now. <laughs> do not picture a rhinoceros. Whatever you do, do not picture a rhinoceros. You know, and anybody who didn't picture a rhinoceros right there, fucking let me know. Yeah, right. Because you're a wizard. I'll go sit and I'll learn from you. <laughs> I'll sit at your feet. Yeah, exactly. Like, the things that we're, we're we, are told not to imagine, mm-hmm. you know, our brain just goes there, yeah. you know, it can't help but go there. So uh, allowing for it to kind of flow through is yeah. essential. Yeah. I want to go back to another thing you said yeah. too, like the repatterning as your adult self mm-hmm. is uh, such a valuable, you know, skill to have and a great way to do it. And I, I had that happen without my conscious control of it. One of the very first psychedelic experiences I had um, was I snuffed 5-MeO-DMT which mm. is a preparation from the Sonoran Desert Toad. And <clears throat> um, I snuffed it, and it took me back to one of my most traumatic childhood events where my dad wasn't really wasn't physically abusive, but he was very verbally abusive, mm. you know, and, and he had a horrible temper, and he never knew what would set him off. Mm. So I teased him about something. I was like five or six years old and made some joke, and then two days later he, like, cornered me in his room about it and, like, pushed me down on the bed and was just yelling at me for like 30 minutes mm. of just like constant like f- as loud and intensely as he could yell right and it was a, I remember it was at this hotel in New York and that <clears throat> when I snuffed that it took me back to that room but this time you know I was like 20 21 years old at that point and I was in college I was training you know mixed martial arts at the time and I was a big guy I was like 210 215 bigger than my dad ever was better Mm -hmm. athlete you know um and it took me back there but not as the kid it took me back there as my current self Mm. you know as my full adult grown self and i can i was able to like confront my father at that as like do that shit to me now like see what happens now Mm. you know you want to yell at me now Mm. you know Mm. and have this moment of like asserting myself as my power like you can't do this shit to me anymore. I'm wow. not scared of you anymore. You know, wow. I'm here I am. Here's this man, you wow. know, do that to this man. And it was, you know, obviously after that moment, 
was a lot of tears and a, and yeah. a really great reconciliation with those kind of forces. But it took me stepping up to that because I never really felt I never really felt fully like a man until that was kind of like a real rite of passage yeah. at that point. You know, a little bit of that Oedipal sure. you know, paradigm where you have to have that moment where you overcome your father. Right. Well, he was so dominant and part of that was that even though I was physically stronger, I never felt like that because he had kind of dominated me yeah. a bit when I was younger. But that moment allowed a really beautiful healing to happen between me and my father and also from that memory. I never felt I never felt constricted from that after that moment because wow. I repatterned that as like, yeah, I was a little kid then, but now I'm a different man. Wow. You know, and that would never happen to this man. So this man is different than that little kid. That was me of a different time. Yeah. This is me now. That memory doesn't affect the me and now. Well, and this like this is fascinating to me because I think this so connects to the story you told yesterday about seeing that father and son in the airport. Yeah. And how the father was like just yelling at the son, you're not moving fast enough, and mm -hmm. just kind of being a little verbally abusive, a little hard. And you felt like that part of you that wanted to like fight, yeah. but you chose a different route. You chose yeah. to do the whole Ho'oponopono and do meditation and send love. And that we don't know if that created an energy shift, but the energy shifted between yeah. the father and son. But my guess is you probably wouldn't have been able to do that had you not taken your own power back from your father-son dynamic because sure. that situation would have triggered you so much that you probably would have lashed out. Yeah, I would have wanted something. to hit him yeah. or something because that yeah. anger would be like, oh, I remember that. Right. You know, don't, you're not going to fucking do that. And then I would have yeah. brought up so many emotions that I wouldn't have been able to deal with that Because we, we become the thing that we hate or that abused us yeah. or that, you know, we, if, unless we heal it yeah. and forgive it and take our power back, not in a, the other person is wrong and terrible. It's not about blame, but it's about taking responsibility for taking our own power back and never expecting another person to change, choosing forgiveness without ever having them say they're sorry. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of us wait to have someone miraculously change or come and like apologize to us. And, you know, we have the power to forgive without that person ever, ever changing yeah. or ever doing anything differently. You know, it's interesting. I, I came back. I'm thinking about that experience now. I came back and I overcame that experience with my own personal power, which was one way I did it. Like, here I am now, Dad. Try that. You know, try that to me. And it was more of a power. But I think equally as effective would have been going back to that as consciousness mm -hmm. and being like, I see you, Dad. I forgive you. I know that this is just anger coming from you and it's not really directed at me. Yeah. And, you know, I could have come from that super conscious state and also had that same healing. Maybe, but maybe you really needed the comfort maybe. of taking your power back yeah. first. Because I think sometimes before we get to the consciousness, we got to go through the human emotion part of like standing our ground and asserting ourselves. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then it's I think it was important easier. to me as a man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That. Like you said, it was a, it was a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. And you were able to do that within your own consciousness. It wasn't something you had to go confront your father and punch him or, you know, right. like it wasn't that at all. It was something you were able to do. And I think that's, that's another thing that where I see people get stuck is um, they want to skip right to the consciousness and right to the forgiveness and do a little bit of a spiritual bypass when sometimes we need to like go and, and deal with things more on the kind of emotional mm -hmm. like level, mm -hmm. not like face to face with someone, but in our own inner work, like with the guy at the table whose dad wasn't around. Um, he's like, so what do I do? How do I forgive him? And I'm like, well, first write a big fuck you letter to him that you never send, yeah. but like get your anger out, like, yeah. you know, get out and let yourself feel the feelings of like him not being there and him being a jerk in some ways. Like often that's the first level that we have to go to before we can get to the, I forgive you consciousness place. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I think there's certain instances though, where you don't have that intermediary option, right? right? Like if it is a trauma, like. I think the real key is to is to go back to those experiences from a vastly different perspective. I went from a perspective of powerless to powerful. Right. Right. And that repatterned it. But certain experiences wouldn't have that. Let's say it wasn't my father who was creating this, but some irresistible force. Mm. So no matter what power that I mustered, you know, it was a, a structure or something created that even at my most powerful, I was still powerless. Yeah. Right. So that wouldn't have worked. That right. move wouldn't have worked. Right the only move that would have worked then would have been to move in as consciousness or if it's some trauma surrounding a, a death or something that you couldn't have yeah. changed with more power yeah you know then i think but the key being that whatever it is you have to change the who the who that's viewing that you know you have to come with either a more conscious perspective as your consciousness rather than your identity yep. or come as a different identity more your power, current yeah. identity a more yeah. powerful identity mm -hmm. a more 
grounded, rooted, here I am mm -hmm. identity. Mm -hmm. But either way, I think that's a, a really important key to doing that. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what's so like amazing to me about the human experience is, yeah, there's this suffering, there's this contrast, and there's inner critic, and these monsters, blah, blah, blah. But then there's this consciousness that we all have access to mm -hmm. that can free us from all of it, yep. you know? And, and that's what keeps me going, even in those moments of, oh man, this really sucks right now. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. this is really hard because I know I'm up leveling. Like, I know that there's, you know, if, if my current toolbox isn't working, there's another tool I'm about to learn. I'm about to hit another growth period. And although it's not always enjoyable, as long as I'm willing, like that's been the biggest thing for me is just a willingness, mm -hmm. a willingness to even with all the work I've done to sometimes go, I don't know, like, <laughs> I have no clue right now. Yeah. Like and I have to just sit in the discomfort and the not knowing for a minute. I know something's going to come eventually, but sometimes we just have to be in the not knowing and the discomfort before the lesson or the tool comes. Yeah, it's just sitting in a position of faith yeah. waiting for waiting for the light to come on the horizon. Yeah. You know, if you're lost in the woods and it's pitch black and there's no moon and you can't see shit, no yeah. fireflies lighting the way, yeah. just, it's okay to sit down. Yeah. You know, wait for dawn. Yeah. You know, because you might very well step on some shit, hurt yourself, go the absolute wrong way. Yeah. You know, like, it's okay. Wait it out. Yeah. You know, but just hold faith. Like, sun's going to rise. I'll find my way out. Yeah. And I think that's a really important move. And sometimes that's make. where we, you know, another one of the one of the men, the men, the men tables was yeah. um, talking about how he, you know, some old mother stuff and it's kind of affecting his relationship. And he just how he's dealing with it is just control. He's working hard. He's working out hard. He's very regimented. He's very like controlled in every aspect of his life, because if he's not always in control, then like something could go wrong, you know, and so my encouragement to him was like, okay, so maybe you just need to like sit and be quiet and allow and stop doing so mm -hmm. much and controlling so much and allowing whatever feeling that you've been like fighting through controlling all these aspects of your life to come up and just like see, see what's there. Because I think we get rewarded for being so disciplined in our life. But we have to look at where the discipline is a protective device and where we're white knuckling our life too much and yeah. we're are scared to look at what we really need to look at to kind yeah, of have the fulfillment. the skill of surrender. Yeah. You know, again, I, I didn't mean to talk about psychedelics so much in this talk, <laughs> but it's been my, you know, one of my primary tools yeah. and that's the thing it teaches you. Like yeah. the more you let go, the more, you know, your knuckles or hands are just going to hurt right. from trying to grasp onto it because you're going to get swept into that thing anyway. So oh the art of the, how deeply can you surrender? That's how fast you move. It's like you're on a stream and, you know, bliss is at the end of the stream when the tributary goes into the ocean of love that we're all headed towards. Mm -hmm. And it's just how many times are you going to try and grab onto rocks and right. until you're exhausted and hurt and banged around and how many until you just finally just put your arms above your head and just float it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, all right, here we go. Going into love eventually. I, it's, I might bang into a few things on the way, but it doesn't help for me to try to cling nope. to things and avoid this. Just surrender. That's, you know, let yourself go. That's been my biggest, in terms of psychedelics and plant medicine, that's been the biggest thing that's been right it's in my face is my relationship to control. And I think I have shared with you, the f I didn't do any drugs, like no pot, nothing. First drug I've done, DMT. <laughs> I just yeah. went all in. And even that first experience, I don't think I fully let go. Like I definitely had an experience, but there yeah. was an element. And I remember a recent, like a two years ago, I did a plant medicine ceremony and I really wanted to surrender and so i remember the moment where i felt the medicine coming into my body and it was like some part of me didn't know how to surrender like i didn't know how to let go of control and so what i did instead in that moment is just went into gratitude for the medicine just thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you gratitude because mm -hmm. i know how to do gratitude like i can feel that and that going into gratitude completely took me on the most incredible journey i've ever had because I let go of control. Yep. And so, so I think surrender is one of those words that again, people get like here, but doing it is a different thing. Yep. So sometimes the pathway to surrender is just gratitude or just acceptance yeah. in that moment. Sure, a gratitude is, surrender is contained within the gratitude, yeah. right? Because 
in that if if you're grateful for the medicine then you have faith in the medicine and then you trust it and then the trust and the faith and the gratitude is a surrender to it yeah you know yeah like in medicine and life and yeah yeah Yeah. it's all it's all contained within (sighs) beautiful christine I love having you around. I love being in your life. Sorry Aubrey. for inviting you out during the middle of cedar season, but that's okay. It's <laughs> okay. Had, we had a great time. Um, we're putting on a little get together. We don't yes. exactly know the details yet. Yes. Um, but for those of you who are interested in hanging with me and Christine mm-hmm. for a weekend, um, definitely check us out on social. We'll be dropping little clues yep. and little hints about when that's going to be looking mm-hmm. like sometime, maybe second week of April. Yep, that's what we're thinking. Um, probably going to be here in Austin. Yes. And uh, we're going to figure out some themes and some stuff to explore. Yeah. But, um, Definitely know, some g- masculine feminine stuff. And yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really great experience working with you and all the Go For Your Win graduates. Mm. And, um, that was a really cool journey and look forward to, to doing more of that. It's really rewarding to see these things manifest and yeah. happen and people reach for their potential. I mean, people were fucking fired up yesterday. They were so fired up. Heart, mind, body, yeah. everything. And just the community and... You know, there's just something so special and sacred that happens when like-minded people come together and like you find your soul family. Yeah, it was. I was so impressed too. All these manly men too. We did an ecstatic oh. dance. I led that ecstatic. Oh dance, my god! Yeah, that was awesome um, for the Saturday graduates. And man, people really went for it. Yeah, like they really felt it. Yeah. Like from the tears to the emotion to the yeah. movement to the sweat, everybody just dropped in at the end and just the most beautiful state of consciousness when we all finished. Oh my gosh, I was so high. (laughs) Everybody was so (laughs) high. It was really cool to see. I was so high. Yeah, and you're right. It was really amazing to see everybody there, but especially the guys like really like surrender. Yeah. And let go and like find, and, and I was talking to one of the guys after and he's like, that for me was therapy. Like I felt out of my mind. Like yeah. I felt like really in my body. As, and a part of what you're saying about going into these emotional release, yeah. like we went through there. We totally. went into the feelings of bliss, into the feelings of being trapped and chaos and stuck. And then the feelings of awakening the warrior and fighting and then breaking through and celebrating like all of these things. And I think, as you said, it's an important way to do that. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll have to do that in our weekend. Too. Oh, we're for sure doing that. <laughs> oh, for sure doing for that. For sure doing that. <laughs> Beautiful, because I like it too. Yeah. Um, awesome. And then you got a mastermind, kind of like a metal mastermind group, a little coaching group. That you I've have. got Tell a about membership that. community. Um, if you go to christinehasler.com slash inner circle, so it's my membership community. Every month we focus on really embodying equality because people do these affirmations of I want to be prosperous and I'm confident and I'm grateful, but really feeling the feelings. So, so much of my journey has been getting out of my head and into my feeling because that's really what creates and attracts the things that I want in my life. So yeah. we work a lot on that. You get a monthly coaching group coaching call. There's a Facebook community, accountability groups, all my behind the scene life hacks. Talk about on it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, my podcast, which I love, I coach people live on the air and that's called Over It and On With It. Excellent. Well, you're a real blessing to us all for mm. existing. Love As you. Are you. And uh, look forward to doing more stuff with you Me in the future. Me too, Aubrey. Love you. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please go to iTunes and leave a review if you enjoyed the podcast. And go to onit.com slash Aubrey, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash Aubrey to get the latest tools for human optimization. Thank you. Much love.